today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. I love it when you look at the response of these men and the actions. All of them seeing, all of them hearing the same thing, that move of, of the Holy Spirit within the life of these believers. And for all of these, confused, amazed, marveled, they were perplexed. They said to one another, what could this mean? You know, when God begins moving, particularly when he's moving in the supernatural, sometimes people get really confused. Sometimes people get really scared. They're fearful of what they can't control, amen? They're, they're fearful of what they can't get a, a handle on. But beloved, you need to know that our God is a God that moves beyond what we can control. Amen? When would you say is the last time that you were absolutely marveled by the works of God in your life? Has it been a while since you last felt such awe and wonder towards God? Or do you make it a point to reflect on His power and goodness regularly? In today's message, Pastor David reflects on the reaction of early believers after having received the Holy Spirit. In his study, you'll learn the importance of guarding your heart from an apathetic attitude and to seek God regularly until you fill with His Spirit. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 2 as he begins his message in the Spiritual Maternity Ward. The birth of a child is just absolutely so amazing, so amazing. If, if you've never experienced that, either uh, yourself as a mom or vicariously as the dad, if you've never experienced that, you've, ex- you've not experienced one of the greatest miracles that, that we have this side of heaven, the birth of a child. And as exciting as that is, and in all that that is, you see God's formation, God's plan, and how, again, through the whole process of growth and maturing and preparation of that child to actually be birthed and to come out into the world. Well, today we're going to be talking about the birth of something. It's the birth of the church. And the birth of the church, God did, again, that preparation, that that anticipation, that building up of what he was going to give, again, give birth to, to impact the world for his kingdom. We have been going through the book of Acts. We are in chapter 2. We looked at the beginning of chapter 2 last week. Again, the coming down of the Holy Spirit, the gifting of those that were there in the house. Again, not only with the empowering work of the Holy Spirit, but again, the uh, tongues of fire and then them declaring the wonders and the greatness of God in a multitude of languages. We spoke last week about the crowds of the people that were there, probably no less than 15 languages languages, again, that were spoken of by the crowd because of the variety of places that they had come from. And again, God supernaturally gave a foreign language 
to the multitudes of the people that were there. And as we shared last week, some of them had, again, not a foreign language, but they spoke in Aramaic or Greek or Hebrew because within that crowd, there were people with that kind of a background. And they said, we hear them speaking in the language of our birth. So again, not only foreign languages, but again, understandable languages for the crowd. We read in preparation for this how God, how Jesus Christ had told his followers, again, just before his ascension into the heavens, to again, go and, and I'm, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you, but you need to wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Wait, the promise of the Father is coming you will be endued with power from on high. Jesus had shared that with him. As Luke writes that in the end of the Gospel of Luke, he writes a very similar thing at the beginning of the book of Acts in chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, he tells him in verse 5, you shall be baptized by the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then a little bit later, down in verse 8, he says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is all taking place now at this very moment as we look here in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. It's the presence, it's the power of the Holy Spirit on this crowd of individuals, 120 there, praying all in one accordance in anticipation and in preparation for what God was going to pour out upon them. The Holy Spirit literally overwhelming their lives, and they began to give glory and praise to God. And as they experienced for this very first time, this filling of the Holy Spirit in their lives, there there was this outflow of the Spirit within their lives, literally bursting out of them with joy and praise to God Almighty. It's interesting in in, uh, reading uh, different uh, writers and authors and pastors and and commentators about this, Warren Wiersbe uh, uh, has has kind of an interesting take on this whole experience, different than anything I had um, ever seen or thought of, but he speaks about the Pentecost actually being a reversal of the judgment of the Tower of Babel when God confused the languages of men and drove them apart. God's judgment at Babel scattered the people, but God's blessing at Pentecost drew the people together and united the believers in the Spirit. At Babel, the people were unable to understand each other, but at Pentecost, men heard God's praises and understood what they said as it came in their own language. At the Tower of Babel was a scheme designed to praise men and to exalt men and to make a name for men, but at Pentecost, it brought all the praise and all the focus to God Almighty. The building of Babel was an act of rebellion, but Pentecost was a ministry of humble submission to God and the work of God in these individuals' lives. And so we look, as we looked last time, last uh, couple of weeks ago when we were in this passage, 
all those that were in the house, all of them that were in the house, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then Luke goes on to share here in chapter two, down in verse five, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now again, we spoke about the variety of the nations and all the languages last time we were here, but one thing we read here is that those that were within the city, they were, they were drawn to the sound, whether it was the sound of that rushing mighty wind or the sound of this multitude of people in a variety of languages simply praising God again, uh, crying out and, and giving praise to God in all of these languages. There was at least, as this happened, a couple of different reactions from the people. Just as today, when men hear the message of the gospel, they respond in, in a variety of ways. Even here, as this miracle is taking place right in front of them, we find that not everybody uh, who saw, not everybody who heard what was going on responded in the same way. Look down in verse 12 and 13, still in Acts chapter 2. Verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever shall this mean? And then in verse 13, we read, others mocked, saying they are full of new wine. These mockers believe that they had drunk uh, this, 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 this new wine, and we'll look at that in a moment. And yet there were others, again, with this sincere, this, this desire to really know what's going on. They heard in their own language this praises, this worship, the wonders of God. Look at the, the, the verbs that, that Luke uses here as he writes to explain this reaction of what's going on with this crowd of people. Uh, up in verse 6, we read that they were confused. In verse 7, we read that they're amazed and they marveled. Down in verse 12, again, he brings back that idea that they were amazed, but they were also perplexed, and they were saying to one another, whatever could this mean? They, they, they had this honest interest in what was going on. And then, yet yeah, once again, down in verse 13, others were mocking, saying, now nah, they're, they're full of new wine. I love it when you look at the response of these men and the actions, all of them seeing, all of them hearing the same thing, that move of, of the Holy Spirit within the life of these believers. And for all of these, confused, amazed, marveled, they were perplexed. They said to one another, what could this mean? You know, when God begins moving, particularly when he's moving in the supernatural, sometimes people get really confused. Sometimes people get really scared. They're fearful of what they can't control. Amen? They're, they're fearful of what they can't get a, a handle on. But beloved, you need to know that our God is a God that moves beyond what we can control. Amen? I don't know if that causes you great fear and trepidation or if you realize, no, if my God is as great as he is supposed to be, he needs to move beyond my control. Amen? I mean, really and truly, the greatness of who God is. Now, again, if, if Luke were writing today, he'd probably say, man, these guys heard that and they were blown away. They were absolutely you know, uh, flabbergasted by what all was going on. They were, they, were, they were beside themselves. What about today, though? Today, I, 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 man, I throw myself in with this bunch, with, with the reality of the church today. Personally, I, I feel that it's, all way, way too rare. 
in the world, as the world looks at believers today, the looks at us today as the church, looks at us as representatives of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does the world look at us and are they amazed? Do they marvel? At least in a positive way, maybe in a negative way they look at some of us. and uh, not, not present company, of course, but others. Uh, but again, being amazed, m- marveling at, again, how God is working and moving within his people all too often. I'm afraid the world, even our, our, our co-workers and our family, they look at our lives and they try to figure us out. Maybe they're perplexed. Maybe they, they, they ask that question, whatever could this mean? But hopefully they're doing it in a positive way. That's not how you used to be, but now I, you, you, you've changed in your life. I, I don't understand. Does the world really look at us that way? Does the world look at our lives and say, man, I, I'm confused because you don't respond like the rest of the world does. You respond. What did Paul say? We are to be a peculiar people. And the world ought to look at us in, in, in that kind of, in a positive way, understand, in a positive way, that there is something different about us. Uh, but I'm afraid we've made our lives, we've made our Christianity, we've made our belief, our faith, we've made it sanitized, we've homogenized it, we've uh, pasteurized it, we've made it palatable to the world around us rather than, again, just being so different because we're led by the Spirit of God not by the spirit of this world. We're led by the spirit of God, not by the spirit of our own flesh. But unfortunately, we see all too often within the church today, this, again, this, 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 this blending into the world, and I've, I've spoken about it before, but all too often, Christians become chameleons and they just kind of blend into the world rather than the world looking at us and saying, you're different, you're different. Nobody wants to be different, though, do we? We want to kind of blend in. But you know what? We are called to be different. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit working and moving within our lives that that difference actually takes place. We, we look at how the Holy Spirit is working here at the beginning of the church. And as a matter of fact, Luke gives us a multitude of examples. But let me just take you to one, just a couple of chapters from here. Flip over to chapter 4, if you would, beginning down in, in verse 8. We find that Peter and John, they again were going to the temple. They, they saw the man there that was lame, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. They reached down, the man uh, rose up, his lameness was cured, he's jumping around, uh, the crowd goes crazy, there's everything that's going on. The Sanhedrin uh, send out the uh, guards, they arrest him. Peter and John now are before the high court of Israel, before the Sanhedrin, and down in verse 13, it tells us that, that Peter had, had this opportunity, well, a little bit before that, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and began speaking to this court about what took place and why these things have happened. Then, down in verse 13, look what it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They looked at them and they thought, "Now nah, these guys don't have Bible school training. These guys don't have seminary training. 
but there's something powerful that's going on in their life. As a matter of fact, they realized that they had been with Jesus, that they had been with Jesus. You know, the unfortunate reality is there's a lot of people that go through Bible school and go through seminary that have never been with Jesus. And yet I also know that there's a lot of people that have never gone to Bible school, never gone to seminary, but when you speak to them, you realize they've been with Jesus. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working within the hearts and the lives of his children. As I've looked, as I've, I've studied these passages, I've, I've, I've had to ask myself, when, when the world looks at me, do they really know that I've been with Jesus? Do they suspect that in my life I've, I've spent time with the Lord? What about, what about my neighbors? Do my neighbors realize or do they think, do they, do they wonder, wow, I think he's been with Jesus. Okay, I'll, I'll even ask you, what about my staff? I'm, I'm the pastor of the church here. When my staff sees me respond and react through the week, they say, man, he's been with Jesus. Okay, I'll get even more personal with you. When things happen at home, my wife's sitting right here. I ask the question, does she think, oh, he's been with Jesus? Or maybe she says, oh, yeah, he's been with Jesus. How do we respond? I throw myself in the same boat for all of us. Do, do, does the world see the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, that empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our life? Or do they simply see the works and the efforts of individuals? When the world looks at us as believers, do they see the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Or do they know that we've been with Jesus, it's making a difference in our lives? Or do they look at us and hear our conversations and realize more so that, oh, yeah, we've been to the movies. Uh, I saw a great movie this week. Let me tell you all about it. Or we've been to the ball game. Hey, how about them Diamondbacks? You know, is that all of our conversation? Or do we speak the things of the Lord? They look at us, do they speak to us and say, oh, you've been to the beach or you've been to the mall or you've been to see your grandkids, you know? What's the passion in our life? Who is it that drives our lives and our emotions? Are we truly filled with the Holy Spirit or are we filled with the things of this world? And beloved, I submit to you that if we're filled with the things of this world, there's no room for the infilling of the Spirit in our lives. Oh, he's in our lives. He is the down payment. I'll continue to repeat that. So again, you understand that I know and understand that when we become believers, the Holy Spirit abides within our lives. But you also need to know that the Word of God speaks of something different. He speaks of something beyond that, and that is that infilling of the Holy Spirit. When the world looks at us, when the world speaks to us, do they know that we've been with the Lord? Is the power of the Spirit working? There's nothing intrinsically wrong with going to the movies or talking about the ball game or having a vacation or going to the mall. And there's certainly nothing wrong with my grandkids. <laughs> but again, the question is, is, what is it that fills our lives? Who is it that drives our lives? The mockers of that day saw these guys and said, those guys are full of new wine. They're all drunk. 
Well, it's an interesting note here that at that time, the time of Pentecost, it would have been the time to have new wine. It was the time of the harvest. They would have just started the fermentation process. It was just at the very beginning. And it is also called sweet wine. As a matter of fact, the word that Luke uses there that's translated in many of our Bibles as new wine can also be translated as sweet wine. It's the beginning of the process. The bitterness of the fermentation hadn't had its full effect. As a matter of fact, to help you understand the word a little bit, the Greek word for new wine or sweet wine is the Greek word glucose. Glucose. Thought that was pretty interesting. So you see, in the, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the amazement and the marveling and the perplexity, even in the midst of the mockery, the Apostle Paul, or Peter, I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he stood before the crowd that was gathered there and he began to speak, not with apology, but he began to speak boldly. Look with me at that passage down in verse 14. We've covered all the previous stuff over the last couple of weeks, but we're down in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice. He raised his voice and he said to them, men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. The third hour of the day, that would have been nine o'clock in the morning. No, they weren't drunk. Uh, again, the Jews, observant Jews, wouldn't have even, would not have begun drinking prior to nine o'clock at all, much less being drunk. But again, the natural mind doesn't comprehend the things of the Spirit. And so Peter brings him back to this prophecy that's written by Joel, but with a distinct purpose to explain what exactly had taken place, but even more importantly, there, that there was this need to be able to share with all of these individuals there the message of Christ, not only the message of Christ and his message himself or his ministry, but also the fact of Christ crucified and raised again. Look at what he says, verse 16. And this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in these days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, Peter's giving this evangelistic message to them. And he's bringing right in, the, right in the middle of that message. Listen, you call upon the name of the Lord. 
you will be saved. These words of the prophet Joel, they, they, they encompass actually the entirety of the last days. But Peter wasn't saying that all that Joel spoke about in his prophecy is what has come to pass. What Peter is sharing right now is what just now took place within the context of everything that, that Joel speaks about in his prophecy. The portion of the message speaks about the ending or, or, or the last of the last days. In that portion, that hasn't happened yet. When Joel says, uh, wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, that hasn't taken place yet unless you live on the big island in Hawaii. And that's still going on right now. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for the open word.